welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords. Our friends are gone, our hair is grey, and we ache in the places where we used to play. Nice. I'm your host and GM, Ben Moxon, and with me as ever are the Hawks in the form of... Tristan T. Wild. Ow! And also, nobody. That's it. That's it. It's just the two of us. (gasps) What could be a coming? What could be a happening? (laughs) When we last we saw our hero, he was having a moment of introspection and possibly discovering some memories that he had lost on his return to the world of the living from an unspecified amount of time in hell maybe 500 years yeah maybe less maybe it, more time doesn't really yeah. exist there it could have been days could have been hours i could have only been there a couple of minutes but it felt like a long time it felt like a long time and i think we've all had that experience in fact you're probably going to have this experience dear listener just <laughs> with this episode <laughs> yeah how long have i been in hell now it's a very long yeah, time. Yeah, if it doesn't if it doesn't get chopped up, this could really uh this could really bomb. <laughs> but let's find out. There's only one way we find things out, and that's by doing them. So today we're going to be playing a game called From the Room in the Tower by Ben Moxon. Hi, I'm Ben Moxon. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember me from <laughs> so good. If you if you think this sounds like fun by the end of it. And goodness knows, this is both a game and a playtest, so it's a little bit raw as yet. If you think this sounds like fun, you'll be able to acquire the game from bridalwise.itch.io, where you can also find The Hallowed Walk, a game you can play by going for a walk with your friends or family, written by me and our friend Tom. So, From the Room in the Tower is a two-player game about a captor and their captive. And the idea is that this is a game exploring the relationship between someone who is held prisoner and their captor or interrogator over a series of interviews. So the game plays out as a set of scenes, always in the same location, always between the same characters. In this case, We have established the uh, three core elements of our setting already. So the captor in this case is the Canavir Fae Ambiforax, a very powerful and malevolent creature who we have met many times since the first season of the show and who has consistently shown a fairly whimsically malevolent attitude to the Hawks. Meanwhile, the captive is the bard stroke shadow dancer. Slash sky singer. Slash, slash, slash sky singer. That's actually hard to say because it's slash, like... Slash, slash glingler. Slash glingler. Uh, the slash glingler, Tristan Wilde, who is here in ghost form. Here being at the very edge of existence, on the boundaries of chaos a place where the realm is constantly reforming and shifting itself, where entities of chaos pass through in savage forms and occasionally the souls of the lost and ghosts of the wandering are captured and feasted upon by these creatures. Consumed. 
or twisted into the forms of these demonic entities themselves. Sometimes the sky is burning, sometimes the sky is endless leaves, sometimes it's a depthless void. It changes without any logic or consistency. But one thing that is consistent is that when Amphorax is having a conversation, he likes to do it in a comfortable stone room with some armchairs and a fireplace. And although Tristan Wilde is adept at hiding in the realm of yeah. chaos, in this dangerous space, he's found ways to make niches of shadow and safety. Yeah, I got, got pretty good at that. Got pretty good at it. But within these realms, nothing can really escape the will of Amberforex, who is all-encompassing here and may also be the realm. Mm. It's not clear. But either way, if Amberforex calls, you're going to show up. And so the game will progress as a series of interviews. We both have to decide, we both have to answer a couple of questions. And the first question that I have to answer, why does the captive interest me? What the captive has that I want and what my goal is. Now, I don't think I'm going to share those. No, that's fair. But those are the things that I have to know. The captive has a similar pair of questions, which is, what do you believe the captor wants from you? And what is your goal? Okay. Now, we know that Tristan has escaped. So escape shouldn't be the primary goal. Uh, spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a spoiler in this context. So possible captive goals, the game suggests, are things like learn an important secret about <coughs> the captor's organisation turn the captor into a double agent, persuade the captor to accept the captive's ideology, use secret communications to help your side to victory in spite of your captivity, find a way to escape, obviously we know that happens anyway, so that's kind of off the table, or learn to live with the limitations of your captivity. Sometimes freedom comes through acceptance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of the, the first three at least were always in my mind of how can yeah. I get information out of him how could I potentially try and not an ally, but some kind of uneasy alliance? And yeah, how could I use these conversations? How, basically, what can I gain from this that can give me help going yeah, forward? Yeah, what can Tristan get mm. here? Yeah, what can I get here? And the other thing is that you can, as the great game progresses, we will be marking progress towards our goal. And the way that works is after each interview, we both decide whether we have warmed to the other character, whether our character has warmed to the other character during that interview. If they have both warmed to each other, we take two steps towards our goal. If your character has warmed, but my character has remained cold, I take one step towards my goal. If both are cold, we both take one step back. Oof. Yeah, so you can't afford to just alienate them. You need them to warm to you enough. And currently, my plan is to have probably a seven or eight track target here. 
I was going to say 10 felt a bit much, 5 felt a bit few. Yeah, I'm the same. So I think probably 8, but we may decide let's roll that back if it just feels like it's going on longer than it needs to. If you reach the end of that track, you will achieve your goal. If the other player reaches it first, they will achieve their goal. If you arrive at the same time, then you will both achieve your goal. So we enter the first interview. Basically, the process is fairly simple, so I'm not going to actually iterate it in too much detail. We're just going to play it out. Um, but if you're interested, like I say, bridalwise.htoya.io. And the game is basically designed to be picked up and played from scratch. We're just fitting it into our existing setting because that's what it was originally written for. So, Amberforax is in this stone room. And I feel like it's like two armchairs. There's a fireplace. The walls are plain stone. But I think the floor is... It's lava. I'm going to jump on the table. <laughs> the floor is probably... The floor's probably tiled, like slate tiles. And the room itself is fairly warm. It has a single window that looks out just onto the stars. Nice. But it looks out onto the stars from far closer to the stars than anywhere in the world. What's Tristan doing the first time he finds himself? What's he up to before he's suddenly transported? <sighs> I guess this is the point where I'm still very much very much scavenging for supply. So I haven't really set up any kind of residence yet. I've not really made my cave nice and cosy. So I think I'm just kind of out there, just hiding behind rocks and just grabbing at like a little bit of ghost bone and trying to scurrying back to my cave. And I'm, I'm currently just hoarding parts. So I think I'm just on one of my little runs. So I've got my little bindle stick with a little bit of ghost material <laughs> that I've wrapped up and I'm, I'm just scurrying through. I've just seen like a, a huge demon go overhead and I'm just crouched <laughs> down, just watching it, just waiting. And then like a little mouse, I scurry out. Just, I'm running along the sideboard, so I've got my bearings. Yeah. <laughs> so I know where my bolt hole is. So I've not gone too far from it. So I can just... Yeah. yeah, and so you're running along and like literally it feels like the ground shakes, like someone's shaking a blanket. Mm. And you kind of fall backwards on your ass. But instead of landing on the ground, you land on this armchair. Nice. Thump. Yeah, and there is that kind of yeah. type sound of everything shifting. There are these two armchairs. I feel like they're both deep red velvet. Yeah. And they're that kind of quite all round your body chair. And between them, there's a little table on which is a decanter of port. Joyce. And two glasses. And Amberforax is there in his form of this little gnome with the slightly too wide mouth. And he says, Ah, Mr. Wilde, so good of you to remain a guest. Yes. Incline my head slightly as I try and get my bearings. How are you enjoying your stay in my region of the world, would you say? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. 
I've certainly never been here before. <laughs> I, I I prefer this room. If I could stay here, that'd be great. But I don't think that's going to be an option, is it? Uh, you'd, you'd get bored very quickly, Master Wild. And if there's one thing I really can't tolerate, it's boredom. Interesting. Interesting. And he, like, takes a sip of port and he says, So I almost walked into your trap, but I'm happy to say that I did not. And I eluded your devious ruse. And now, Mr. Wilde, you're stuck with me. I've got... It's hard now because I know, having known what Percy said, I feel like I would still try and blag it, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm acting on unknown knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's hard. um, I feel like it would be some kind of like, or or have you type remark, but... I'm like, um, how do you know that this isn't all part of it still? You know? Ah, screw it. What so, trap? I've, <laughs> I mean, I've got literally nothing to lose here. I mean, I've been here, <laughs> what, months now? Yeah, yeah, he says. The trap you set there on the surface where you sent me in to to their great right that was designed just to draw me and to steal my power. Oh, oh! So we double tricked you then. Uh, wait, did have they finished it? Is it done? That's not important. You don't need to know that. Uh, yeah, but there are other things though that I need to know. Uh, oh, tit for tat. I see. And I'm going to find them. Oh, are you, Mister Wild? We have all the time in the world. Yeah. How long could you keep me here? You can't contain me. You can't contain this. <laughs> I'm actually going to just, I'm just going to see if I can summon one of my cigars again. I want to know if I've got any powers here (laughs) or whether he's going to let me, uh, if I can't summon one, I'll ask him to summon me one. (laughs) (laughs) Screw it. He says, no, I don't think that your powers will be manifest in my realm. Not for a time, not after what you did. In spite of all that, I am locked out of half the world that belongs to me. Yeah, you are. So I think there's more than a little that you owe me. And I've figured some things about you as well. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Lean back in my chair, put my feet up. Enjoy what little time away from the horrifying demon hell that I'm in. (laughs) The thing is, I've got to be cocky and overconfident, but I also really would like to stay here a little bit longer. (laughs) He says, Master Wild. I have realised the thing that was strange about you is that you weren't from the time at all. You were from somewhere outside or beyond. And now you're here as a spirit trapped doubly outside time. And that's an interesting place to be. But I think you might find it gets tiresome very quickly. I don't know. There seems to be quite a lot to do out there. He says, yes, that's true. And I'd hate for you to get bored. And the room is gone. I knew it. And he is gone. Yeah. So we're both going to type warm or cold into the chat. I think it's fair to say. We, we, can't, we, can't go, we can't go behind zero. So right now it can be nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say. And they were pretty cold still. Yeah. So the goal remains zero. And then based on that, the captain rolls a D6. 
and sub subtract one from the result if they're warm, which we were not. We were both cold. Mm. Five. So on a five... I escape! <laughs> <laughs> on a five, it is a year before we meet again. Wow. <laughs> that is... Yeah. He just doesn't bother calling you back yeah, that's for fair. a year. That's fair. On a six, it would be five years. Wow. So, <laughs> which also means that if you're, uh, if you've ended up warm to each other, then that becomes potentially less. That becomes a shorter time, more likely. Yeah. So, a year has passed. How has Tristan settled to? time in hell i think it's it's gonna be like one of those it's gonna be like the cut scene in spoilers here in um what's it called um the tom hanks film the cut scene in the tom hanks film the castaway in castaway oh where yeah. you have the scene where he smashes his tooth and it's a fucking good bit of cinema, to be fair. Yeah. And then the next scene, you see the fish. I don't know how much you remember. You see the fish swimming, and then you just see this spear come in and hit the fish. And then it pans out, and you see Tom Hanks standing on a rock, effectively <laughs> skin and bone with a massive beard, and he's just speared this fish from miles away. So I kind of <laughs> like to think it's almost like that. You kind of, maybe you see the demon, like a demon flying by, and then you suddenly just see this spear shoot up through the demon and then cut to Tristan yanking down on this rope and when it comes crashing into the ground where he <laughs> smashes it on the head with a boulder and he starts yeah, scavenging yeah. for parts. He like takes the this part of the demon's soul and a little bit of like the demon <laughs> uh, goop that is now there and stuffs it in his bag. And then as another <laughs> demon comes flying down, he just kind of sidesteps and disappears back into shadow. <laughs> And you're like, yeah. oh, he's he's getting it. And then there's like all these, like a huge flock of them just come down like vultures mm. and just start tearing at this, like hyenas and others yeah, come up piranha, out of the ground yeah. and start munching at it. So, yeah, things have escalated yeah. over this time. I've had a lot of time in the last year to think and I've I've worked out what I can sort of, I can almost make, not solid, but I've got a bit more solidity to some of my, my little creations that i make yeah yeah and it's partly possible because this is a less solid realm mm. this is a long way from the fixed rules of reality here you can the thing which allows you to do it though is that you have to embrace the powers of chaos a little more you have to shape the chaos but you can't do that completely without the chaos shaping you a little bit too and so Tristan is just like sneaks back into shadow, but instead of shadow, he finds himself in this room. Nice. Do I look the same as I am in the ghost world, or am I old Tristan still? I think you look the same. I think you look more kind of ragged. Yep. And the thing, the thing about this is, you are in a spectral form, effectively. And what I think that means is that actually it's partly your self-conception. It's what you believe about yourself is the shape that you've become. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, and so you're like, yeah, I'm wiry and strong now. And so you look wiry yeah. and strong. And that's it. My beard will now forever be kind of long and bushy, but 
it, it doesn't get longer. It doesn't just keep growing and my yeah. hair's kind of stopped. It's, it's like a cool beard. I've kind of, I've inadvertently fashioned like this kind of like castaway chic that I've got going on. <laughs> like, like, like a ragged hipster. Yeah, I'm basically just like a proper old hipster now. <laughs> and you find yourself back in this room. And the room is a little cooler than last time you visited, it feels like. And the stars outside are different. You can see the edge of a pinkish cloud of some kind in the distance and the stars kind of in between and above it. Right. And Amberforex is sat in the armchair again and you kind of find yourself, you've stumbled back into it again and you sit down and just velvet, you know, it's almost like that's the first impression you have and you're like, oh, I'm here again. Yeah. It's really hard trying to act this out. It's it's hard not to, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Well, you can kind of be, we can be playing this in more of a writer's room way. Mm. You know, we're kind of describing what happens here. Yeah. So we can play out the conversation, but we can also put in more description, more of what the camera sees. And so Amber Forex says, Master Wild, it's been a little time, hasn't it? <sighs> yeah, it's been a long time, actually. <laughs> I don't know if you've, uh, if you've been checking in and seeing what I'm doing out there, but um, starting to get grips with it. Yeah. He says, I'll have, to, I'll have to ensure things change a little uh, no, faster. No, no, Keep no, you no, on your toes. No, 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 that's fine. It's, yeah, I'm still struggling. I'm still, you know. <laughs> what do you think of the beard and the hair it's that's pretty good isn't it he says he says very chic that, thank you <laughs> even as a kind of an old scrawny castaway ghost you've got to have a bit of class i gotta say you've always had a you've had a bit of style about you fella <laughs> for all your evil says, nefarious ways i've always had he uh, says oh the world calls me evil but i'm not evil at all. I'm the heart of things. I'm the very heart. And that's all it is. Mm, yeah, I suppose evil is a little harsh. I mean... There's... I I have killed a lot of people. Hey, haven't we all? That's... Haven't we all? <laughs> but the way I like to think of it is that I also gave life to everything that lives. So... It's kind of a column A, column B, if you will. If you don't mind me asking, how did you give... And I, that's not meant to sound like I'm trying to trick you. I'm, I'm genuinely interested. Like, I know nothing about you. Like, all we know is that Banbury kind of pissed you off a little bit, but then you sort of liked him. He says, and... Banbury? Oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> don't know about the guy that killed you. Uh, oh, I've, I've said too much, haven't I? Nothing. Forget it. I see. Well, that's an interesting thing because the person who killed all the life in the world, why that would be quite something. Ah. Cigar? And he, like, a cigar Hell boxes yeah. on the table and so he just like opens it. See, we don't have to fight. We don't have to fight all the time. When you take it out, it 
it lights itself as you raise it. <laughs> this is the thing. He's a power. Like I respect the power of Van Beforeaxe. I really do. Yeah. He says, "What is the difference between a rock and something that is alive?" Um, are you expecting an answer? Yes, I want. I want you to think about the difference there. What happens if I just try and use my uh, basic? Are we just going to say that's it? No powers work here because I kind of want to have a little bit of the uh, see if the Matrix vision still works. But it's fair to say no, kind of like a a Faraday cage. Yeah, you're like you're so far from harmony here, and also like you know when you sense Amberforex in the distance mm. and it feels like something vast. Yeah, in the room with Amberforex. It's like shining a torch on a black hole. Okay. You know, the sheer mass of power that you're confronted by. So the Matrix vision can't really tell you anything. In fact, it kind of, it's almost like it's just fuzz. It's like, it's like static. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess my first thought would be sentience. You know, the ability to think and feel and... Love. There's yes, all of that, all of that. But there's more because a tree is alive. True. A plant or a mushroom. There are even creatures smaller than you can see, and yet they live. And what is that difference? What is the what makes that line? I would say it's the connection to the harmony. Of course you would. But you'd be mistaken. Of course I would. If you release a stone, it will roll and fall if it's on a hill until it finds a place that is flat. That is the movement it is allowed, the movement governed by rules and laws, always predictable. Yet give life a place, place a living creature in the same place. Which way will it go? What will it do? Those laws don't apply to it. In the heart of the creature is a wildness and a chaos mm. that allows it to choose to make its own decision instead of being bound by relentless rules. And that spark is the Canavir Fay. Mm. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. That spark is us. It is me and my kin. So everything that lives, to be able to live, it must have a little piece of us in it. If we die, everything dies, because then there is only rules and law. And with rules and law, there comes nothing. Nothing more than a stone that lies in place. A sea that washes the coast to sand, and then sand that washes down to grains until all is flat water. A fire that burns away to ash all that can be burnt. And once the ashes are gone, the fire is extinguished and the world is dark. That is the world without chaos, without the wildness of the Fae, without what we brought here. It's hard to disagree with what <laughs> you're saying. <laughs> speaking, you're, you're speaking my language as a, a fellow <laughs> fan of chaos here. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Abby Forax. You're making some compelling arguments, but there doesn't seem to be a balance with you, though. I am not a creature of balance. But there we go. You need a bit of both. You need a bit of law and you need a bit of order. Without Percy, the Hawks would be anarchy. It would just be utter, <laughs> utter bedlam. 
Ah, tell me more about this person. Honestly, I'd love to, but I really would get in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> that would probably be a real big, big... Let's just, look, ground rule time. The Hawks are going to be off the table. That's all. That, that's it. I can't tell you much more about them because we're still enemies for now, you know? <laughs> he says, of course we are. We're enemies, but we can be civil. We can. After all, we're all caught in the same trap here, even if we have caught one another. Yeah. And we will all find our freedom sooner or later. Oh. And then the board will be changed entirely. Um, oh, I feel like I'm not going to get any you more find information. Yourself, <laughs> you find yourself back in the desert. But you still have like half the cigar. I was going to say, interesting. <laughs> I can use this. Uh, it's time to start. Br so my magic works a little bit in hell. Yeah. But not in the room. Yeah. It's time to start looking into what I can use this cigar for. It's, it's a team time. <laughs> okay. Uh. So type either cold or warm in chat. And then on a count of three, we'll hit send. Okay. Three, two, one, send. Yeah, I warmed a little, to be fair. It's hard. The thing is, okay. I agree with everything he's saying. That's the worst part. I'm like, I fundamentally like him and yeah. agree with also, him. But also my ego says I must destroy him. <laughs>